Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. I want to remind you at the onset of this message that Jesus' pronouncements are a very affirmative and present blessing. I said a couple of weeks ago, and it's, it's always correct to assume that the blessings of eternity are ours in Christ Jesus. It's always right and correct when we read in the Word these things about the kingdom of God and seeing God and, and, and possessing things. It's always correct to assume that we have those eternal blessings that we so often focus and fix our attention on. Um, like dwelling in the presence of God, like no more hurt, no more despair, delight and blessedness forevermore. But we need not, however, uh, overlook the blessings that are afforded us in this present life as a part of our life in Christ. It's a blessed life to be in Christ today, right now, in this moment. And I, I believe that you and I can live with the expectation to see God in our daily lives. To see Him at work in our situations and our circumstances. To see Him show up in miraculous ways and manifest His power in our lives. How many of you believe that this morning? Now, maybe we... Don't behold him with the natural eye. As a matter of fact, I know that we won't. And the reason I know that is Jesus said, number one, that God is a spirit and those that worship him are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Then Moses says to the Lord, God, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. So we may not see the physical manifestation of God as, as to his personage in our lives. We might not behold him with our natural eyes, but we will, however, be given spiritual eyes, Jesus promises here, to see God at work in our lives, to know his presence in our lives, and to recognize his touch upon our lives when we live holy lives that are set apart for God's glory. And Jesus says in verse 8, verse 8, blessed are, that is very present tense, that is very right now. To, to put that in the first person, I would say, I am blessed. Not I'm going to be blessed or I will be blessed, but I am blessed. Right now where I stand, I'm blessed. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now this particular blessing of which Jesus speaks is bestowed upon those who are pure in heart. That's the, that's the classification here. Jesus says this is the qualification. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, 
Let's expand on this idea of purity of heart this morning. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In, in this verse, I'm going to give you a chance to collect yourself for what I'm about to say next. Because what I'm about to say next is a daunting and, 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 and kind of abrasive topic in this generation, it seems. But basically, in this verse, Jesus is pronouncing blessing on a life of holiness. I want to say that again. The basic premise of this verse is that Jesus is pronouncing an active and present blessing on a life of holiness. It's a message, this message of holiness, that many in our modern era shy away from. And, you know, I understand that in a bit, in a sense, because we don't want to seem restrictive in our message. We don't want to come across as legalistic. And many are afraid that if they start telling people how to live, then they won't come to their church. And I'll be the first to admit it that there are churches across this land that are filled simply because it's a place where people can go and never be challenged to alter their lives in any way. I understand that. I get that. And I, I know that if, if you want to fill a room full of people, then you just tell them what they want to hear. I get all that. But I want to tell you something. I believe that the message of holiness can be conveyed in such a manner, in such a way, that it is something that is appealing to the body of Christ, especially as we hear Jesus say, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the holy, for they will see God. Now, I understand this. I said I understand this fear because in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, Everybody say Pharisee. All right. Just, just, just checking. They were the ultra-religious group of the day, and they would make a huge deal out of the ceremonial mechanics and the outward appearances, but they cared very little about the condition of one's heart. In other words, their only question was, do I look good? Not, am I right with God? Is my motive pure? Is my heart right? But do I look good? I'm doing the church thing, but do I look good while I'm doing it? And if I can look good in front of the congregation, and I can look good in front of the community, I'm not going to pay any attention to the inside. So here's this group of people, and by the time of Christ, they had taken what was the then fairly simple Mosaic law, and they had transformed that and added to it until they had made 613 rules and regulations out of that Mosaic law. 365 negative commandments. There, there is a thou shalt not in the Jewish law for every day of the year. Every day. How would you like to have that as your religious landscape? That every day of the year, you know, we have 365 promises from God in the Word that we can stand on. But their 365, their one-a-day regimen was, thou shalt not. It was that negative command of things they shouldn't do. There were 248 positive commandments, or thou shalt's. These are the things you need to do. And these people took great pride in keeping their laws and, 
And, and this helps us understand what Paul was stressing when he said that salvation was not of works lest any man should boast. But it was the gift of God. Consequently, these people who, were descri- who, who did all these things were described by Jesus in the following terms. Mark chapter 7, we read these words from Jesus as he's speaking to the Pharisees. And it says, He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As far as it is written, these, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, they talk a good talk. And maybe they even walk a good walk, but it's all superficial. It's all on the surface. It's nothing that is coming from the inside. Let me tell you something today, church. A relationship with Jesus Christ will challenge and change the things that you do and the places you go and the things that you participate in. But in sincerity... Those things aren't going to be the keeping of someone else's rules, but it's going to be a change on the inside of us that manifests itself on the outside. It's going to be a change of desire. It's going to be a a writing of our motives and and our, 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 our thoughts. It's going to be a change on the inside of us that affects what's on the outside of us. And I understand here this morning, nobody wants to be a Pharisee. We've all seen them before. We've seen Pharisees in this modern day. Now, they they may not wear the ceremonial garb of their ancestors, but we've all known those folks who, who it seemed that they had a great exterior and they put on a good show, but it seemed as if they were very hypocritical in their own lives. It was one of those things, you know, you do as I say, not as I do. Sadly enough... And, and here's what happens. Let me, let me tell you what happens. So, Lee, understand, I am not calling you old. Okay, let's just start with that premise. But your generation is a little further down the road of life. Okay? But what happens is, in Lee's pursuit of godliness in the generation that he grew up in, the Lord begins to move and the Lord begins to convict and the Lord begins to direct in a certain way. So then, as things begin to get translated to the next generation, what was a sincere conviction in this generation now is translated as a rule to this generation. So all that we've learned in the context of that is what we should and shouldn't do just like the Pharisees. And maybe that first generation is okay with that. But somewhere down the line as it begins to filter through and that conviction that then is passed on as a rule, as a rule, as a rule, every successive passing, it begins to lose some of what the intended uh, heart of the matter was as God breathed it into their lives and what's not conveyed with it is how that leads me to a place of purity and holiness before God and it's lost on the successive generations. And it becomes an empty rule of law. 
cumbersome and burdensome. It was right for this generation. It was spot on with where they were and what God was doing in their lives. And had it been translated appropriately, not just the rule, not just the law, but the heart along with it, maybe it would still have the same effect. You see, sadly enough, almost any time that there's a generation of people who are moved upon to uphold a certain standard or maintain certain convictions, there's something that's lost in the conveyance of that standard to the next generation. And what's passed down is a rigid set of rules and terms and conditions that say this is what true holiness looks like. If you were really right with God, this is what you'd look like. Now, what is inherited in that, as I said, in many instances is the burden of law, lest the heart or the understanding that makes it profitable in our lives. And we we really know what to say many times in the context of church and religious, and that is simply this, do this and don't do that. I don't have a problem, however, teaching about holiness because holiness is not a prescribed method of doing anything. Maybe it was in temple worship, in the ceremonial Uh, pomp and circumstance of the sacrificial system, but we don't live in that dispensation anymore. Holiness is not a prescribed method of doing anything. Purity of heart doesn't begin with what's on the outside, how one dresses, how they style their hair, whether or not they wear jewelry, whether or not they utilize cosmetics, One old preacher said, if the barn needs painting, paint it, for crying out loud. (laughs) See, the thing is, we can do all of that and never attain purity of heart. We can do all of that and never attain holiness. As a matter of fact, as Jesus pointed out in his address to the Pharisees, we learn that we can do all of these things with all diligence and still not have our hearts in the right place before God. As a matter of fact, what Jesus is referencing when he's speaking there in Mark chapter 7, when he's speaking to the Pharisees, he's referencing all the way back to Isaiah chapter 1. When God speaks to the Hebrew children and says, hey, you're going through all these ceremonies, you're giving me lip service, your heart's far from me, and to be quite honest with you, it's about to make me blow chunks. That is the Steve Evans translation. But literally God says, look, it's, this is about to make me sick, what you're doing here. It's about to make me sick. I'll hasten to add, again, that if the Lord has convicted you of any of these things, then you need to be obedient to the voice of the Lord and the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life. But be careful not to pass your conviction on to someone else as an absolute truth when it's not presented that way in Scripture. Amen. 
I can also say that sooner or later, if your heart is pure before the Lord, there are going to be times that you are convicted of certain things in your life that you'll need, either need to step up and do or you'll need to step away from and refrain because either your inactivity or your participation in certain things is hindering what God is trying to do in your life. Jesus emphasizes here that this purity is not to be a purity of outer appearance, but it's to be a purity of heart. Not a purity of action, but a purity of heart. And you can get the action as pure as you want it. But if all you have is the action, then all you have are the mechanics. And if all we have are the mechanics, then God's not impressed. God is desirous that our service and our outward life be driven by an inner condition. That when I am merciful to you, when I am compassionate towards you, when I am gracious towards you, when I am loving towards you, that it's not simply just begrudging or because I've been said that told that I should do it, but it's because I've allowed the Holy Spirit to work in my heart and my life in such a way that I am changed and I have taken on the nature of Jesus and I want to be that to you. Holiness or purity of heart is a heart that is set on living a life that is pleasing to God. And a heart that wants to put God first, and a heart that desires to be set apart, that's what holiness means. Do you know that's what the word holy actually means? Simply this, to be set apart. There's, there's so many in the church world today that want to see how closely they can blend in. They want to go to the same places and engage in the same activities as those who are outside the church and still call themselves redeemed. That's not holiness. And that's not holiness. And you know what? I've had so many people come to me and say, Pastor, would you stand and agree with me on X, Y, and Z? And I know that these things are going on in their lives. And I say, absolutely not. No, I, God ain't going to bless your mess, and I'm not going to waste my breath. You're asking God to show up, but Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they're the ones that are going to see God. You can't hold hands with the world and have the blessing of God at the same time. I'm telling you the truth this morning. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to rub you the wrong way. But how many of you want to see God in your life? I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning and the very first thought I had, I said, God, would you help me set aside the things that are maybe good so that I can lay hold of what is better? And what is better is seeing you at work in my life. Seeing you at work in my life is better than having the pleasures of my flesh satisfied. Seeing God at work in my life is better than having my wants and my desires fulfilled. Because I trust God 
That if I will give him my hopes, my dreams, my, all of my tomorrows, then what he's going to give me in return as I pursue him with a pure heart is far greater. Oh, we've sang an entire song about it this morning. We have 15 more in the repertoire about how great is our God. How, how he's the God who can do exceeding abundantly above everything that we can think or ask, church. And I'm ready to see him, aren't you? The heart is the seat of our affections, both in our natural and our spiritual lives. And Jesus said that the greatest commandment that, that there was was for us to love the Lord our God with all our first thing, heart. Very first thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. E.L. Hull says this, There is no purity apart from the absolute enthronement of God in the affections. In other words, God has to set on the throne of my heart. Everything that I do, every thought that I have, every thing that I desire for has to be subject to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I have to realize that I am subject to the King. His presence alone, continuing a quote here from E.O. Hall, says this, His presence alone can rob temptation of its charm and dispel all carnal longings and throw back the fierce onset of ancient and besetting sins and make the heart utterly holy. In other words, what this man has said here is that the only way for you and I to be holy... It's not to put on the right clothes. It's not to fix our hair the right way. It's not to sing the right song. But it's to be sure on a daily and continual basis that God is on the throne of our lives. That's the only way. Now, the Lord, the Lord spoke to the prophet Samuel. And he was tasked with selecting the next king of Israel. And after Saul had been rejected by God, he sent Samuel out to search for this man. You know the story. He went to Jesse's house and he saw these fine-looking, handsome men passing by him. And he thought, surely this is the one. Surely he's the one. This has got to be the guy. And God spoke to Samuel and said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And listen... When God finds that heart that is wholly devoted to himself, he wants to show himself to that person. He wants to show himself to you. Do you know what it says in the book of Jeremiah? It says that when we search for God with our whole heart, he will be found by us. When we search for him with our whole heart, he promises that we'll find him. We'll see him. We'll have an exchange, an interaction there with him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Consequently, I'll tell you this, Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Without holiness, no man shall see God. Speaking on this idea of the purity of heart, as the precursor of us seeing God move in our lives, the, uh, one, uh, one writer says this, the heart, can only, the heart can see only which 
That's me doing a rewind. Okay, I'm going to play it back through again, okay? The heart can see that only which it loves. And Jesus promised to us is that if we set our hearts to loving God and prioritizing Him in our lives and consecrating our lives for His glory, then we will see Him. We will see Him. Now I know, as I said at the onset of this message, I know there's the future tense of seeing God. Eternity through salvation, as we said earlier, it's always safe to assume or imply these eternal benefits of serving the Lord and accepting the finished work of Christ in our lives. And we know that we will see God and we know that one day we'll dwell in a place where his very presence illuminates the land and there is no need for the sun by day or the moon by night. We know that. But I say again, however, We don't need to overlook the potential to see God at work in our lives right now. Right now. There is a move afoot in this world today, in our society especially, that is an entitlement mentality. People think that they can invest very little, but they also should be able to get the same share as everybody else when the distributions are being made. And I'll tell you this, salvation is not by works. We're not going to earn our way to heaven. But there are certain blessings that are reserved for those who consecrate their lives to service to God. Who will say, God, you sit on the throne of my heart. I yield my being to you, body, mind, and soul. And I ask you, God, to have it all. Make me holy. Touch my mind. Touch my heart. Be sure that my motives are pure, God. Check me in my inner man. And be sure that I'm living for you. See, people think they should be able to exhibit less of a commitment but still be entrusted with the same privileges and responsibilities as everyone else in the organization. And generally speaking, that's not the way things work. Now, applying this to our spiritual lives as well, this is very much the same. The people, there are people who attend church very little, if any, and they pray little to none at all. They don't tithe, they won't serve, and they give little attention to their own spiritual well being. But their expectation is that God's just going to show up in their lives every time they rub the genie lamp. And he's going to pop out and say, I'm here to grant your three wishes. That he's going to reveal himself to them in the same way that he does someone else. And that's not the way this works either. Listen to this. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 says this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To what? To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Right now, God is looking for somebody to bless. God is looking for somebody right now whose heart, who can say, they're like David, they've got a heart after God. 
God is looking for somebody right now. Let's just set up this imaginary scenario. And you don't know how imaginary this is, but that I had a hundred bucks in my pocket. And right now in this room, I was going through here and I was looking for somebody to bless. But there was very specific criteria that I was looking for. Wouldn't you want to be that person? Oh, come on, it's all right. Wouldn't you want to be that person? Let me tell you something. When God is looking for somebody to bless, everything that's his, the world and all that's in it. And he's looking. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro through the earth looking for someone that he can show himself mighty, strong on their behalf because their hearts are loyal to him. I'm going to tell you what. While God's out looking, I don't want to be like Adam hiding behind the bushes. I want to be postured in such a way spiritually. Listen, when you're loyal to God, when He's on the throne of your heart and you're allowing Him to move you to purity and you're allowing Him to chase the sin out of your life, He's looking for opportunities to show up and show out in your life. Paul begins his description of greater and deeper spiritual blessing than we've ever been able to comprehend by saying to us, I has not seen. We've not seen it yet. God wants to show us something. God wants to show himself to us. God wants to show us his strength. He wants to show us his provision. He wants to show us his authority over principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in this world. He wants to show you the light in the dark valley. But we've got to be willing to open up the gate of our hearts allow the king of glory to come in he needs to adjust our morality he needs to align our ethics he needs to be able to challenge our motives he needs to be in charge of our thought life we need to pray as David did search me O God and know my heart and see if there be any unclean thing blessing of God in our lives we all want to stand in the presence of God the psalmist asked this question who shall go up into the mountain of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place he who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted himself up to falsehood or what is false nor sworn deceitfully He who has a pure heart.
going to ask our guys to go ahead and assemble themselves at the back as we prepare to distribute the sacraments this morning and we spend some time around the Lord's table before we're dismissed. But before we do that, I want to invite you to stand all over this congregation.
We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.